Anybody care to admit that they forgot to set their clocks back? And way to go, Sharon. Guts, that's great. Anybody else? How many of you are? Oh, Barb. Mm. Anybody else? Mark? Oh, Kevin? Anybody else? How many of you are in the camp that it felt like um, you woke up early and it was, it was um, like, when is this day going to start? And, you know, church should be here. How many are in that camp? Yeah, I know Jim Garrett would be in that camp because he's in that camp all the time. It's like when we go to elders meeting at 6, six in the morning on Tuesdays, he's, he's like, this is the best, this is my favorite time of the week, you know, and I'm like, I'm dragging in and what do we do this for, you know? How many of you are, could have slept another two, three hours and been very happy? Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. If I were to ask you, what is the most pervasive commandment in the Bible? I suspect we'd get a variety of answers. Maybe someone would say, don't lust. Maybe others would say, don't lie. Maybe others would say, tame your tongue or something to do with the tongue. But actually, the greatest commandment or the most pervasive commandment in the scriptures is do not fear. Something related to fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be dismayed. It occurs over a hundred times where God is speaking to man or an angel is speaking to man or Jesus is speaking to his disciples. I told just a moment ago, Christina said she was so excited to, to hear the message, and I said, yeah, I'm going to be preaching on fear, and she jumped back and said, oh, you know, I said, Christina, you are so cheesy. <laughs> but with this, these many um, exhortations not to be afraid, it would be easy to reason that sin, uh, excuse me, that fear is a sin, but actually it's, it's never treated as a sin in Scripture. It's never labeled a sin, uh, but rather is recognized merely as a condition uh, that we face. It's merely a condition of being fallen before God. David admitted many anxieties, didn't he? Um, I think of Psalm 94, 19. He said, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, thy consolations delight my soul. So David experienced a lot of anxiety. Jeremiah was dismayed. Dismayed means emptied of courage, uh, stripped of your courage. He wrote this, I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Even Paul was afraid. Did you realize that? In Acts um, 18, verses 9 and 10, it says this, And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, indicating that he was afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. You know, if emotional serenity was the litmus test for godliness, even Jesus would have failed that test because it says in the garden that he was sorely troubled 
that he was deeply distressed, that his spirit was agitated. And so some exhortations not to fear in the Bible are clearly rebukes, as when uh, Jesus spoke to his, when, when um, the disciples woke him up in the boat. Maybe Jesus was the type of person who was a little bit uh, grumpy when he got woken up in the morning. So he's out in the boat, the wind and the waves, you know the story. The disciples wake him up, and he, what did he say? He said, why are you so timid, you men of little faith? Tom Lotz used to transliterate this verse, why are you freaking out? But other exhortations to not fear are clearly encouragements, such as Isaiah 35, 4. Listen to that. Listen to this. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, and he will save you. There's a recognition in that verse that some of us wrestle with more anxiety than others. Say to those with anxious heart. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible's compassionate towards us, those of us who deal with levels of anxiety that are higher than others. And then some admonitions to not fear are meant to even usher in comfort and encouragement, amazement, such as the angels who announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. It says, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. So fear is not labeled a sin in the scriptures. It's a condition of man. Some of the exhortations not to fear are clearly rebukes. Others are encouragements, and others are even meant to bring comfort to the one who's suffering. But despite how normal fear is, it's clear that the scriptures say we are to overcome it. Amen? We are to become and to uh, obtain that Christus Victor spirit that we sometimes talk about. That spirit that says Christ will be victorious in my situation. He will be victorious in my mind. He will be victorious in my heart and he will be victorious in my battle against fear. We're to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're to gain ground in being perfected in love, which 1 John says drives out fear. So we can't just say, well, it's a, it's a condition, and therefore it's okay, and uh, I don't have to fight it. We all need the admonition of the Lord in this arena, even as Joshua did, Now, Joshua was no sniveling coward, was he? He was two, he and Caleb went into the land and they were two out of 12 spies that came back and said, we can do this. We can take this land. And when Moses died and Joshua was elevated to lead the people into the promised land, the Lord spoke to him, even this courageous man, and said to him three times to be strong and very courageous. Let's look at that passage. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Joshua chapter 1, just to make this point, starting in verse 2. 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. I pray that that last phrase will be in each of your hearts. I will not leave you or fail you or forsake you. Then the Lord says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. And then jumping to verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. Again, dismayed means emptied of courage. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe God has been speaking to me personally about fear and how to dispel fear in my life. Also, that fear is disempowering. It's like an undercurrent that is underneath many of our concerns and many of our uh, thoughts. There's, if, you, if you go underneath your thoughts, if you go underneath your concerns, what you'll find there often, almost always, are fears. And then third, I think fear keeps us from our inheritance. It keeps us from moving forward into the land that God has for us. And so he was saying to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Everywhere your foot treads is yours. Move into your inheritance and so on. So let's look at the Bible's prescription to battle fear and to gain the victory. When we are assailed by fear, what are we supposed to do? Well, number one, I think David is our example. This first, the first example is that we secure our souls in God alone. We secure our souls in God alone. And David's a good example of that. We'll look at what he does. Secondly, our second example is from Paul. Paul said to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ casting down vain imaginations. And that's often what fear is, isn't it? It's an imagination. It's an accusation. It's a thought that needs to be taken captive. And then our final example is from Joshua. We need to enter the land and take possession of what God has uh, designed. So let's take a look at the first one of these. Secure your soul in God alone. You know from previous sermons that I've done that I love that passage in uh, 1 Samuel. I believe it's chapter 30, verse 6, where it says, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. 
But David, what? Remember this? Strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Well, I think there's some clues. I think the first clue is in Psalm 62, 1 and 2. It says here, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. David would secure his mind and his soul in God when he was he was shaken. Another clue comes from uh, Psalm 131, verse 2. He says, Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. What is the imagery there? The imagery is, David is saying, I compose my soul like a baby at its mother's breast. You've seen a baby after it feeds, uh, after it nurses, how it gets those glowy red cheeks and that satisfied, sleepy uh, place, and it just, it just feels as safe as can be right there on its mother's chest. There is this aspect of locking down in God. There's this aspect of extended time in prayer that it takes to descend into God and into that quiet place where you can hear his voice. I think of a submarine that's under attack from depth charges, and it goes, what does it do? It goes way down deep into that very silent place where there's safety and there's quiet. The depth charges can't go that low and uh, deep calls to deep, and you hear the voice of God. How many of you, as I'm saying this, can relate to a time in your life where you, maybe out of desperation to hear his voice or, or fear, you went down deep and you found a place where time kind of went away and you just were there with God and he spoke to you and he, you heard his voice. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah, securing your soul in God, going down deep. This happened to me recently. Um, as, as you know, Laura's younger sister, Susan, died a few weeks ago unexpectedly. And uh, there was, you know, as a minister, when someone in your family uh, dies or is getting married or something like that, you... you you as the minister don't know kind of what your role is. Um, there's, a, there's a tension there between am I just going to be there as a family member or am I going to be expected to minister? And in this case, um, Laura's sister Susan's husband didn't want a funeral. He didn't want a wake. He didn't want anything. He's so um, resistant to the things of God or to religion that he he really didn't want anything and yet other members of the family wanted me to say some words and and um, I knew that 
because of Susan's death, there were some real regrets in the family, um, some broken relationships. And, and so I'm on the plane, and I'm just, I'm just thinking, Lord, I know you want me to minister. And, and honestly, you guys, from Tulsa to New York, however long that was, I think it was six or seven hours, I was in prayer. And um, I just remember having my head against the seat in front of me and just praying and just crying out to God. And, and he took me down to, a, to a, a very deep place in him and gave me a word for, for what to share. And uh, total glory to him, it, it went wonderfully. And um, he gave me just the right thing to say that I think everyone there, no matter where they were with God, they could, they could grab hold of and, and move toward God. So um, just an example of securing your soul in God. You see, fear has a purpose. What do they teach you in class, college class these days, or high school biology about fear? They teach you that it's a fight-or-flight mechanism, right? Well, I think that's true in the spiritual as well. When you experience fear, uh, God is either calling you to fight or to fly into him or both. You know, the purpose of fear, I think, is to drive us into God. What is it that James chapter 1 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. We could substitute the word fear there. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we receive his thoughts there, his perspective, his new revelation, his now revelation, and as we wait upon the Lord in prayer, as Isaiah says, he gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait upon the Lord, they will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. Secure your soul in God. Amen? I'm tired of fear kicking me in the butt. May I say that word here in church? Nathaniel, when he was little, he would say, he'd run around going, B-U-T-T, butt. And to offend people. We'll just leave that one hanging right there. So that was David's example, was to secure, he would secure his soul in God. He was very good at that. He would strengthen himself in the Lord. He would talk to himself. But Paul says that we should take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When Paul was under condemnation, he wrote to the Corinthians these words.
when he was under accusation. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I think we need to do the same when the enemy or our own insecurities start hurling accusations into our mind, into our hearts, into the air. We need to take every thought captive. In the counseling field, the best research says that if you want to change a feeling, let's say you're feeling fear and you want to change that feeling, that the very best way to change a feeling is to change your thoughts. Um, Have you ever tried to just change a feeling by telling yourself to stop feeling that way? It really doesn't work very well. You have to come up with some alternative thoughts that do, do warfare against those what are called automatic thoughts that come from the deep parts of your brain that are fearful thoughts. Some some researchers say you're never in control of your first thought that comes when when you're attacked by a fear. You're never in control of that first thought because it's that fight or flight response that comes from a deep part of your brain. But you're always in charge of the second thought. So let me say it again. If you want to change how you feel... You must change what you are thinking. You must engage in self-talk. You must talk to your soul. David did this in uh, Psalm 42, verse 5. He said this, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Here he's talking to his soul, isn't he? Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Here's the alternate thought that... that, uh, David came up with, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. He knew that he'd been fearful before, he'd been in despair before, and yet he'd come through it and praised God once again. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. So substituting anxious thoughts with alternative thoughts is the key to doing spiritual warfare against fear. Now, lest you think this is some counseling technique, I want to say that the Bible, uh, this is absolute Bible. The Bible is the one that deserves the credit. God deserves the credit for this idea. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Listen to these words uh, from the scriptures. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? doesn't say as a man feeleth in his heart. As a man thinketh. In his heart, so is he. Second one we've cited several times. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But here's the kingpin of this idea. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this idea of renewing your mind with the truth of God's word and the truth about what you're facing is, is a Bible idea. Recently, I had a speaking engagement at uh, something called TAPS. 
which is the uh, Christian Association of Psychological Studies. This is an organization I belonged to for a couple of decades, and, and yet I'd never spoken there. It was the, for me, this was a very fearful event because people that I sort of had looked up to and respected in the counseling field, and I know know a whole lot more than I do, were out in the audience, or I knew they would be out in the audience. And so a few weeks before the, the event, I was talking to Laura, we were driving, and I was saying, honey, I'm just, I, I don't want to accept this invitation because I have been dreading this for, for years. I knew this day would come, and I don't want to do this. It's, it's too scary for me. And um, she said, well, Jim, why? She said two important things. She said, Jim, why don't, you, why don't you take a look at your fears and the thoughts and do what you tell clients to do? Uh, try to substitute those thoughts with other thoughts, you know? And, she, and then she just kind of flippantly said a second important thing. She said, this is just part of your job. Well, so there, when she said that, I hooked on to that because I recognized right away there's a thought that will help me. Instead of this being, okay, here's my, here's my anxious thought column on the left-hand side of your page, and here's my alternative thought column. And my first anxious thought is I've been dreading this for two years. And Laura hits me with, this is just part of your job. And I just felt my anxiety downshift a little bit there. Oh, yeah, this is just part of my job. What do I care? You know. <laughs> Second anxious thought was, I will fail. I will fail. But I felt like God helped me with another thought, and that is, you know, I thought back to other high-pressure situations I've been in, you know, funerals or difficult funerals or, or um, celebrity weddings uh, and stuff like that. And I thought, I thought, you know, God, God helps me in those high pressure situations. That's been my experience. Like David saying, I, I'll praise him again, you know. And so that thought, you know what, God helps me in these high pressure situations. That really helped me, too. Next thought in my anxious column. I will look naive and unprofessional. And um, I was sitting at lunch with a friend, uh, two friends, actually, uh, Tim Reside and Tim Peterson. And Tim, was, Tim Reside was just expressing anguish about difficulty starting on a book that he wants to write. And Tim Peterson said to him, well, you know, Tim, uh, we don't have time to be perfect. It just, it just has to be good. And, and that just blessed me because I was thinking about, you know, I'm nervous about this speaking engagement. So I thought, yeah, yeah, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be good. So that one really helped me. And then the next day, Tim Reside, the one writing the book, he emailed and said, yeah, when when God said, uh, when God created the earth, he didn't say, it is perfect. He said, it is good. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm created. I'm part of God's creation. I just need to be good. So that really helped me too. 
But you know what? There's actually another column, I think, and that's sort of rhema anointed thoughts. That's where God takes a scripture and he applies it to you. The morning of the event, I realized there was a new fear kind of cropping up in my mind. And that fear was this. I'm not fast on my feet. Somebody's going to ask a question that I don't know or I need time to think. And so I was reading through the Proverbs uh, with that sort of half in mind. And I came across Proverbs 15:28. The righteous man ponders in his heart how to answer. And I thought, yeah, I can ponder. I, I can ponder with the best of them. I don't need to answer right away. In fact, doesn't the proverb say that when a guy's silent, he looks smart? I'm going to ponder. And sure enough, after the meeting, a guy came up who was one of those, you know, big wigs and asked me a question. I had no clue what to say. I said, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. And he, he was fine. So, okay. So I emailed him a few days later with all my wisdom. He wrote back a few days later and said, didn't help me. <laughs> he said, let me rephrase the question. <laughs> so, but I want to report to you that um, that was a great personal victory for me that day to get over that hump of speaking at CAPS. In fact, I, I got so lost in what I was presenting and so excited that they had to get a hook out and pull me off because I, I just wouldn't, wasn't going to stop. So we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to secure our souls in God. And the last one is we need to enter the land and take possession of our inheritance. You know, guys, in my view, we're all on a continuum in our battle against fear. In other words, there are people who really battle fear. There are those who are in the middle somewhere. And there are those who seemingly don't battle with, with fear or anxiety at all. I don't think God, you know, thinks less of the person who wrestles with a lot of fear and anxiety. I think he just wants us to learn how to do spiritual warfare and overcome and stand shoulder to shoulder in our battle of, against fear. Again, some of us have very anxious hearts. Isaiah 35, 4. Remember that one? Say to those with anxious hearts, take courage, fear not. Remember that David had an anxious heart and that he battled often. Psalm 139 is a verse we haven't read yet, but he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Paul was very brave, yet he asked for prayer for boldness. In Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, let me read that to you. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, Paul asks for prayer for boldness. He says, and pray on my behalf. 
that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Joshua was very courageous, yet the Lord encouraged him, didn't he? Be bold and very courageous. I want to say, beloved, let's, let's take the land. Let's not let fear stifle us or hold us back. If you experience fear, secure your soul in God. Take every thought captive. Ask people to pray for you and uh, move forward in faith. I hope we're a congregation that we don't beat up on those who have fear or consider them sinful, more sinful, but we're a congregation that will stand shoulder to shoulder and help each other with our fears wherever we fall on that continuum. I think God's going to make sure that we will work out our salvation despite our fear and trembling. Amen? Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be enslaved by anything. I wonder what some of the fears are that may be plaguing you. I wrote down about a dozen. Maybe the collapse of the economy is a fear for you. Maybe you have a fear that that prodigal loved one will never return to the Lord. Part of facing fears is exposing them. Part of facing fear is not running from them, but looking at the thoughts that are plaguing you. Maybe your fear is, I'll never get a job again. Maybe your fear is, I I won't ever be able to hear God's voice about what I'm supposed to do in the future. Beloved, no, God will see us through. God is our deliverer. Some would say, I have no purpose. My life is over. Maybe the enemy is tormenting you with that fear. Maybe radical Islam taking over is frightening you. Maybe you think America is over and done. God is our deliverer. God is a strength on our right hand. Maybe you think my child will never succeed. Maybe you think I'll never have what I want in my marriage. Maybe you think my loved one will never come to Christ. Maybe you think I'll never overcome this sin in my life. Fears, anxieties, and yet God wants us to be very bold and very courageous. He will uphold us by his righteous right hand. I want to pray for any who have been fighting a little bit in this arena. Um, There's, again, you can be a very courageous person, and yet there may be some thoughts that are troubling you. I want to pray for you. and I would like you to stand. If there, you know, if you want to make some progress in fighting fear in your life, I want to pray for you. So um, let's go ahead and stand where we are. Any who would like special prayer, and uh, if you would like someone to lay hands on you and pray for you, would you go ahead and just raise your hand? That fear would be broken in your life. And 
if you're seated, maybe you could maybe you could go find someone to pray for, and let's uh, let's just believe God that uh, He's going to give us a new level of boldness and power. Hallelujah. So let's pray now. Father, we pray that your perfect love would drive fear out of our lives. Father, we pray that like David, we would learn how to go deep into you and secure our souls in you. Father, we pray like Paul, we would learn how to do spiritual warfare over the thoughts of our minds, over the anxious thoughts that we experience. We pray that like Joshua, Lord, we would be bold and very courageous and inherit all that you have called for us to walk in. We pray for that Christus Victor spirit, Lord, that Christus Victor mentality that says Christ will be victorious in all that I am and all he will win the battle in my life, Lord. We pray that faith would rise, that uh, expectation would rise, that the supernatural would rise in our lives, and that we would be pleasing to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those who have loved ones who are not walking with you or don't know you. And Father, we know how fear can penetrate our hearts and our minds as we look at the circumstances as they are and wonder how they can ever change. But Heavenly Father, we want to declare our trust in you. We pray, Heavenly Father, for each one of these who finds themselves in this circumstance to have the gift of faith. Father, we know even faith is a gift. We pray, Father, that you'd give each one the gift of faith, the ability to trust in you, the ability to shift their thinking, even as Jim spoke of, Father, the ability to replace these negative thoughts with thoughts of trust in you, Heavenly Father. Help us to trust in you, Lord God. We recognize our total inability to trust in you on our own. But we recognize, Heavenly Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can grant us the gift of faith. You can help us to trust in you. You can help us to regularly, daily, hour by hour, and even moment by moment, walk with you in a state of trust, Heavenly Father. Whatever our fears may be, Father, we pray for the gift of faith, that we could fully trust in you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for those who are standing and uh, are being challenged by you to face a fear that feels somewhat overwhelming, that is even palpable. Lord, I pray that you would, even this morning, be speaking rhema words of encouragement Uh, words of guidance and direction for how to proceed. Lord, that your Holy Spirit uh, would not leave any of these that are standing and willing to face the fear, that you will be with them, Lord, and that you will be strong with them, that you will reveal your will, Lord, where that's being asked, that you will speak uh, a word of encouragement, a word of uh, that, that is from you, from heaven, that will give courage that will enable uh, each one to proceed in your guidance, your direction. Speak to us, Lord. 
Just a, a verse that comes to mind is Psalm 144.1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Lord, we pray you'd help us to be further equipped to do spiritual warfare over our own souls. And again, that we would stand shoulder to shoulder with each other uh, when anyone is being stripped of courage. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your kindness and your graciousness to us, to minister to us, comfort, rebuke, and um, encouragement to not be afraid. We bless you and thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you that your word says you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, for those of us who pray for our missionaries, especially working in the 1040 window, working uh, among Muslims, thank you, Father, that we do not need to fear Islam. In fact, uh, when we read the end of the book in Revelation, you clearly say uh, in your word that before your throne will be a congregation from every ethnic group, from every nation, from every tribe. And so, Father, we're persuaded to believe that there will be millions and millions who are today called Muslims who will have come to know you and are coming to know you over the next uh, years. And so we do not uh, entertain a thought of fear when we pray uh, for those who we love who work in those nations and uh, for those of us who go into those nations, but rather we know that you are winning a bride for yourself from that people as well. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful morning. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to secure our souls in you. We are able to take every, cap, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that as we are on this continuum, we are entering the promised land that you have for us day by day. And we purpose to proceed knowing that you never leave us or forsake us and that you are our strength. You are our strong tower. And we rejoice in that. And we thank you for this wonderful morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And go in the Christus Victor spirit of Christ. Amen.